My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with your... Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mystic Mark, and on today's show, we have a two-for-one special. First up, my friend Chris Prozer from the Mensa podcast joins me to interview a very enigmatic gentleman, someone who went by Randy the Tartarian, partly thanks to me on his first appearance on the show. Uh, He has now chosen to go by random randy and he is the host of the red thread podcast be sure to subscribe to that we had him on to talk about all sorts of interesting things within the realm of antiquitech and of course tartaria and then in the latter part of this episode my homie romy roman from the rising from the ashes podcast Join me to interview Casey, a.k.a. Rhyme Waves, to talk about his very interesting, very revolutionary idea to put together some live events for some like-minded folks, those of us who are awake and aware and still want to go out and do some public events and have fun and, and be around people who are not afraid of the plandemic aka scamdemic so here we are on the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast not much to say we've got the telegram of course support us on patreon we've got some awesome new merch it's the month of merch merch 2022 go to the podcast merch site it's on our website, myfamilythinksomecrazy.com. Hit that button that says T-shirt merch and use the promo code MFTIC88 to get free shipping on whatever you'd like. We have a whole bunch of designs, almost 70 different designs. What? How? Well, I put most of them together myself. We also had some help from a gentleman named at Bags Draws on Instagram. And yeah, that's about it. So show us some love on teespring patreon rockfin all the places thank you for tuning in be sure to subscribe to randy's podcast and follow up with rhyme waves and check out everything he's doing musically our friend roman from rising from the ashes podcast is 
transition himself. And then, of course, my buddy Chris Rozer from the Mensa podcast, who also joins me for our new bi-monthly podcast, Illuminati Confirmed. I guess it's quarter monthly because we do four episodes, two of them for free and two of them for Patreon only. So go check that show out, Illuminati Confirmed. Anyways, enjoy this conversation with Randy the Tartarian, a.k.a. Random Randy and Chris Prozer. And then following up, Roman and Casey, a.k.a. Rhyme Waves. I'm Mystic Mark. Boy, that was a lot of names. And uh, enjoy this podcast. Peace. What's his name's book? David Hatcher Childress. He he writes a book and it's about Vamanas, basically, you know, the flying flying cities of the past that were in this in this world, I guess, prior. And, and basically, I've been doing a lot of research into Mercury and Mercury vortex engines and how this might apply to Antiquatech and what what the hell the situation is. You know what I mean with with all this hidden tech and so let's um, let's start from square one because we're recording and thank you again for nice. for joining us here. I appreciate you coming back to the My Family Think Some Crazy yeah, podcast. Dude. And uh, you know you mentioned right off the. Uh, right out of the gates, Antiquitech, which is exactly where I wanted to go. Explain to people nice. who might not be familiar with that term what Antiquitech is to you. For sure. Okay, a- Antiquitech or hidden or esoteric technology from the past, right? We see a lot of interesting thought-provoking images online. Of course, we all know images can be taken with a grain of salt or whatever but all that aside antiquitech would just be the the hidden ancient technology and i'm coming to realize the more i look into it that most likely and again you know i'm not a quote-unquote scientist even though my instagram says i'm a scientist (laughs) you know (laughs) i'll rock that from a certain point of view but all right antiquitech is the hidden technology, one of which that you can actually access information on is these heaters that are called radium heaters. And uh, this is what, if you look at old, whether you want to call it Tartarian or old world structures, in a fireplace, there, generally speaking, would not be any burning logs, okay? So they would have, Antiquitech runs off of ether energy, but it's not that weird it's actually very simple it's based on what's called the standing wave or pretty much static electricity i mean you know if you rub your feet on the ground and touch a doorknob on a dry day you can cause a a spark to so these are these are technologies that didn't use a battery basically they were connected to the earth battery in a sense for a long period of time they were connected to the earth circuit or you know the the ley lines or the flower of life grid that pretty much all ancient ruins that were known that we know about anyway, the pyramids, Chichen Itza, I mean, you name it, right? They're all kind of along these ley lines. So, and then also they're all very large buildings, right? Very tall, reaching up into the sky. And, you know, just based on the evidence for the mud flood, you can imagine that structures were at least probably a whole nother floor above ground. I would say more. I would dare to say that we probably have had somewhere in the neighborhood of like a hundred feet 
in some places of so flood is definitely i think we talked a little bit about that the first time you were here but to take it back to how you got interested in all this tell us you know what right now is most fascinating about antiquitech and like what made you look into it initially what made me look into it initially was just the antennas and and like things all right so in some of the pictures i showed you on our last uh chat you would have like these light poles with what looked like telephone line hangers but with no lines so these were for the transfer of energy, whether radio waves or something to that effect, or whether it was just tapping into the ether energy, which again, the standing wave is something that does exist in our reality today. So based on, on your surface area, the height off the ground, you know, you can generate a charge, an electrical current by simply sticking an antenna up in the air. If you stick it up high enough, that difference between the top of that antenna and you will create a current. Now it only creates a current if you have the proper materials or the proper receiver for that antenna. And um, after looking into it for a bit, pretty much under the realization that that is going to be what mercury does and is for, and is a huge part of the antiquitech. So when you see a lot of these dome structured buildings, right? Or you see these spires, what you're not seeing because all of the insides of these cathedrals and things have been completely re-renovated is you're not seeing the, com- the core component that would be in these places allowing for the reception of that energy. And, and it's mercury. Mercury is, is the key. It's the messenger, right? It's, it's everything that they say it is without saying what it is you know they tell us yeah i don't need it it's toxic i'm sure that that's probably true you know they tell us that it'll turn you blue if you have too much of it just just all yeah you'll you'll freaking die (laughs) you know but see just like like nuclear power i say that kind of loosely i think that this mercury is is of course demonized just like anything that's good for us right i mean you're seeing right now that even jesus christ is demonized (laughs) you know what i mean and uh, so they flip it on its head but anyway mercury does kill people though you guys know that right yeah it's it creates noxious we're aware of that so forth it's a poison but then again everything is a poison depending on the quantity and what the use is right right? so but mercury um, is will be very clear folks listening do not yeah, open no up your thermometers yeah don't do that it's you lethal at like very me. small doses <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude, people in the caribbean drop dead from it all the time because they eat barracuda and barracuda eats reef fish and reefs contain mercury so yeah correct correct and, and time because of that. the crazy thing about that is that it's point. not just the fish <laughs> it's not just the fish that has mercury in it it's literally everywhere on the planet and you know, try not to get into another topic on mining. There's a reason that there's mercury pretty much spread out around the planet. It's used in gold mining. Mm. And so it's used to, it's, it amalgamates or allows the alloy of certain metals and, and the dissemination of other metals. So, all right. So with the mercury in the Antiquitech, when you go into a big domed building, say your state house, for example, with one of those gold, like the one here in Iowa has got a massive gold dome over it. Mm-hmm. And it has that two tiered cross at the top, you know, reminiscent of an antenna. 
And when you say two tiered cross, do you mean like two sections on top of each other? Right. Like a T with two dashes through it? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So not, not your standard, you know, what you would consider maybe a Christian cross, but something quite a bit more esoteric. Orthodox, like, uh, like uh, Russian Orthodox. No, we're talking. That would probably be the closest. Um, Maybe. Yeah. See, let me see if I can. Or they're, they're, they're parallel and there's one. Parallel. Yes. So to be parallel on the top one being smaller than the bottom one, but like those telephone poles with the different branches on them that I pointed out speaking with Mark last time, there's a reason for this surface area essentially on these crosses. That's why in a lot of the old Tartarian buildings, you'll see like a spire that has just a massive star-like antenna kind of reaching out in all directions. So that's to draw that in. Now with the mercury, what that does is it, it creates a medium for that energy and allows it to be drawn in. So if let's say uh, you're outside and you want to get TV reception out in the middle of nowhere, right? And you just have a regular antenna, a regular rabbit ears. If you run that antenna through a vacuum tube full of mercury, you'll get every channel on the planet that's out there in the airwaves, like pretty much every channel. So this stuff allows for the re- the reception to take place. And, you know, like the, the domes being made of gold, that's not just for aesthetic purposes, like they probably have you believe, or it's not just to tout the authority or, you know what I mean? the dominance of whoever owned that building it had a very real function in the past where this would gold is you know it's a fantastic conductor right and the interesting thing about mercury though is it's diamagnetic or it means it gently repels electricity until you get it moving in a a vortice right so if you If you take a ball of mercury and set it inside of a bearing and you kind of move some magnets around it, you will push that mercury around. It repels, right? So if you apply a charge, you can draw that mercury in a certain direction. What this causes is a vortex, which then in tune allows the mercury to basically transform that ethereal energy. This is is just you're saying it's like you, you add a magnet to liquid metal. The metal moves, i.e. free energy. It's a, it's a bit more than that, and I don't really have the the will or the want right now to break down <laughs> well, what yeah, we does and its electromagnetic it's properties. A I, have done, I have done a significant amount of research into this. And so when you apply a charge to mercury, there's a delay. And also, it doesn't just put that energy back out the way it came in. It puts it out in a different frequency. And it's a certain frequency that only mercury will push out, okay? Just like we have reactions that can only happen with plutonium. We have reactions that can only happen, you know, with with iron and silicates. You know, each element on the periodic table of elements has a certain property about that molecular structure that makes it unique, not just the number of electrons, the number of you know, neutrons and, and the size of the, uh, of the, the core. It's, it's not just that it's also an energetic thing. Right. So, and so not to get too far off of Antiquitech, when you have these domed buildings and you have these, these cathedrals, which the word cathedral is, is very reminiscent of cathode, mm, right? Exactly. And in an electric circuit, you have a cathode and an anode. So the cathode 
would be doing its part and would be drawing energy a certain way. Now, these Gothic structures that you see with all of the little, I guess you call them like horns and stuff kind of coming off, right? And, you know, all the surface area, right? Surface area is a big thing. When you have what's called a standing wave, there is a consistent vibration in, for lack of a better term, in the ether that varies depending on your height from the ground, like I said, because the earth basically is a giant magnet. Right. Okay. So, so what you're saying, Randy, is that in these places that have these sort of architectural features before they went and gutted these buildings out and replaced the contents mm-hmm. of the buildings, the buildings actually functioned as a device itself to create this standing wave of energy that would interact with people Correct. who were inside the building. It. Yeah, exactly. To channel it. And it may not have always been for the effect of the people. Now, if you're familiar with the layout of just a general circuit board or motherboard on a computer, and then you've taken a Google earth shot of, of say the world's fair, right? This is a good one in Chicago. You have a very similar layout to that of what's essentially a processor in a motherboard on a computer. And so these buildings functioned much as the different components to a computer chip and to a motherboard and to electronics just in general functioned. You got to think scale though, right? Everything's massive to us. It's massive, right? But where do you think that they got all of the technology that they're coming out with? They didn't get it from aliens. Okay. They got it from what was already here. And they got it, basically, they inherited the knowledge of whatever came before us, right? We see evidence of giants. We see evidence of probably more than one race of giants, all sorts of different creatures. That kind of ties into like Genesis 6, when God's like, no, no, man, you guys are fucking up. (laughs) You're doing way too much here with the genetics and everything else, and then just puts a stop to it. So, you know, consider what if this this, uh, destruction by God thing has happened more than once and has happened more recently than we understand. And, and that this was the event that changed the electrical nature of the earth. Right. Which right? is why these buildings would have then been gutted. Cause it's like, Hey, this doesn't work anymore. The earth isn't functioning the same way because of whatever yeah. cataclysm. So let's just keep the shell and replace well, the yeah, contents. And it's, it's a bunch of gold, a bunch of precious metals, tons mm. of copper. Right. You know, th- it wasn't just wrought iron and, and, you know, brick and mortar. I mean, these things were full of precious metals. And I think that has a lot to do with, the gutting, you know, also to, to hide from people like very creative contemplative minds, for example, Nikola Tesla, you know, if you have a guy with that sort of a mind and you put him in a cathedral that's functional or was functional and it's now defunct, he will figure out, you know, at some point how to make that work. So what they did is before they probably while they were warring with the entire world. This is, this is wars from, you know, back when we're told Columbus landed, I I would imagine right around that time was when all the mayhem and the destruction started because when you see uh, maps and things from even the early 1600s 
especially the 1500s, if you can get your hands on them, you see a very different layout of the world and, uh, and so on and so forth. But anyway, so these antiquitech structures, which for the most part would have basically been all structures. There would not have been a structure other than maybe the homes that were made for us small people, right? That wouldn't have served a function. Okay. The interesting thing though is let's say, let's say that you had an earth grid laid out, right? And you had it acting as a processor. Let's, uh, let's keep in mind scale, right? When we're, when we're thinking about this, think about if you were 10 times the size you are as a human now, and you had a microchip, how big would that be to us now? Right? Not only that, if you're working with more subtle, less directed energies, you would need that surface area. You would need that standing wave effect in order to kind of keep things flowing. And so I'm leaning more towards that was the case. I don't know whether they shorted it out and just, you know, fried the whole earth grid, whether it was like a sabotage or whether it genuinely was, you know, God wreaking havoc on, on, you know, decivilized and, and defunct and, and, you know, the society that I, you know, I'm not having, wasn't there. I can't project, you know, into the past to uncover these things, but what I can do is look at technology now and how it works and, and what that might look like on a grander scale. And that's what a lot of it is. A lot of it is scale. You know, we don't necessarily have the ability to, to think about what's going on in our, in our computer, in the computer chip while we're using it. All, all we're really concerned about is what's going on on the screen, you know, and what we can do with it. So if you imagine the kind of diversity we have in electronics today and computers, you can maybe imagine that in the past, certain places would function as a certain device. The pyramids of Giza, for example, may have had a certain particular use, right? And maybe it wasn't just for creating the energy. I think the entire grid uh, itself as a whole would have been that, you know, that generator of, of energy. So also keep in mind that in the past, the, the seas were not as we know them today, the oceans, okay? Most places were very similar to Venice, Italy with canals and channels they didn't so much go overland to travel because they had these canals dug out everywhere around the world and there's more and more evidence coming to light for that and so you have you have that ability of water to also repel magnetism the same way that mercury does so it's a very different way but it's very similar okay and so you have this this entire grid this entire network you know, the World Wide Web, right? The original World Wide Web was that of an ethereal energy. It wasn't so much like ours is today of a very directed certain type of current. It would have been a different type of a current of electricity. It would have had different different uses maybe. And looking into, say, the timelines, uh, one concept that kind of will bring this to light a little bit is the concept of the Yuga or the time periods, the cycle of time, and how that may have looked in the past, say 12,000 years ago, before the Kali Yuga, which we're just now leaving, it would have been a much more energy rich and ethereal place to be here. And that's again, based on ancient Vedic texts and things of that sort, okay? So if there was a different consistency to the energy in the atmosphere, then there would have been different uses, different ways of harnessing that. 
And I, I do feel very confident that mercury and gold are major part of the key, which is why they're they're spoken so highly of in just about every ancient science. You look at alchemy and you have you have mercuries, the amalgam, right? It's the messenger. And so there's there's a reason that they call Mercury the messenger, the messenger god, right? Because it's allowing this message of energy to be interpreted by whatever it is the device maybe they're using or even maybe by the people there's some suggestion that the people that resided um in this past time uh in these tartarian or uh, old world style buildings perhaps they did not use the restroom because there's no restrooms right i don't know if you guys have heard that that if you go into these, when they have these mansions and things like this, they had to add on restrooms and completely dig Chris, out. Chris, have you heard that? Them. Have you heard about this before? The, yeah, the build- seen like the what they say about the castles not having bathrooms, and then also like the palace in Paris with all the water. My- and it's like you've already got all the plumbing. Why wouldn't you have bathrooms? It doesn't really. Also, the city of London apparently didn't have any. Well, here's like, the thing: they built the whole city without bathroom here's my thought on that here's my thought on that and i'm not putting anything against you randy because i know you're just taking in the information that you're researching you know and putting it out there and letting the listener decide you know you're not claiming any of this is right or wrong but with the bathroom thing what always stuck out to me is like for the longest time, people were using outhouses because, you know, no not well, not just that, but you got to understand for people who are agricultural, you know, they wouldn't leave their outhouse in the same spot. They would pick it up, yeah, dig sure. a new hole, and that kind of refertilized the ground. So in my mind, maybe they just had a different way of dealing with that. And the word that well, just you know, lost on us. Canals, if they have canals and stuff everywhere, mine is just go squat, you know, over a canal or something, right? But so, so yeah, there are other, there are other ways of looking at it. But what's interesting about the not having bathrooms in these old structures thing is the suggestion that perhaps the people residing there did not, feed or eat food as we understand it today did not gain a, a chemical sustenance through ingesting a, a solid okay there's a suggestion out there and again you know these are suggestions and information coming up that i'm just then relaying there's a suggestion that these people were of a type called breatharians which means that they would take energy directly from the ether or the sun and actually consume that as a fuel so whether these were carbon-based life forms like you and I are today, I couldn't say. I would imagine this may not have been, may have been something different, like a silicate-based life form that would be more receptive to that type of energy and would channel it a little better. And so just, just based on that breatharian kind of theory, right? Going with that, if you look at Nikola Tesla, some of his work, some of the things that he's stated, stated or is known to have said, one of which is he he remarks that food is poison to the body and that there's no need for it. Keep in mind, this guy is electrified in his lab all the time, right? He's constantly using high voltage energies and his whole life he's trying to express to people that there's no harm that can be done by this energy that he's using. He tries to create a worldwide distribution of wireless wireless free energy right and that doesn't go over so well with you know thomas edison and all all the other club right it doesn't go over well with the club of rome so they pretty much put him into a corner financially 
and mostly financially. This is how they they get everybody for the most part. If if you are in a in a bad way and you have research that you want to do similar to how he was trying to do his research his entire life, if you're in a, a tight spot financially and they own all the hotels, they own all the banks, they own everything. I mean at some point your passion for this this research just kind of takes precedence. So you're like, oh, all right, fine, whatever. You know what I mean? I'll go and in Nikola Tesla's case, he would go to different places and have conferences that as his life went on, so presentations, think of like TED Talks and things, right? He would go and do these talks. And he pretty much, after they financially bankrupted him, he was going around to different universities and things and um, explaining, it went from very complex things like, certain frequency technologies, things like this to later on in his life, he was just lecturing on electricity, (laughs) you know? So they backed him into a corner and after a while he starts doing the things that these people in power want him to do for the money. You know what I mean? It's just the way that this banker owned world works. And so this guy was researching this wireless energy, right? And his, through his experiments in Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, he could show that if you generated enough power from this Tesla coil tower thing, you could stick a light bulb in the ground a half a mile away and it would light up. Okay. So if you have that much current running through the ground and, um, and again, with canals and things everywhere, that's kind of creating like a bumper zone for this energy. So it's not so much, a lot of people would think that the water is going to be what channels the electricity. It's, it's not so much that it's the water kind of reins it in and keeps it within those structures. So Antiquitech was a different type of harnessing of energy, very similar to what you could do if you took, like I said, an antenna attached a vacuum tube with mercury on it. And suddenly you would have the ability to receive all the air networks, you know what I mean? With, without fail. So if it works that well for receiving radio waves, which is just a different type of, of energy frequency than, than light, it's a different type than, than the electricity that we know of now, you know, the voltage, the amperage, everything would, been, would have been different, including the wavelength. So I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. So, so yeah, we don't see a whole lot of, of reference to Antiquitech other than conspiracy theorists, unfortunately. You know, there's not a lot out there that you could. Well, find we can talk about, about maybe like the anti-Kythera device. Have you ever heard of that before? Anti-Kythera device? No. So no, I don't think so. It's not. It's not ringing at me for now. Well, let me get a proper definition just so I don't sound like a fool. But so the anti-Kythera device is described as the oldest example of an analog computer used to predict astronomical positions and eclipses decades in advance. What I know off the top of my head is that they found it at the bottom of like the Mediterranean Sea somewhere near Greece, you know, kind of ruined. But they realize like, whoa, this is not your typical, you know, tool or, you know, piece of a ship right. like this is a very intricate device and it yeah, dates and it's back work and, it, and it's yeah. just it's amazing and it tracks the motions of they say it comes from like the greek, bodies, right? the greek period but i think that's disputed in our community and people might suggest that it's much older but yeah that's i mean you're absolutely right though i mean aside from maybe like 
UFO related stuff. You don't hear a lot of antiquitech type stories up until recently when Tartaria became a pretty big talking point, in my opinion, at least exactly. on YouTube with my the algorithm. Thing that makes it, yeah, dude, dude, it's it's everywhere, and it's not just it's not just necessarily in the conspiracy theory circles anymore. I mean, I've run into average soccer mom, you know, average dude at the store, and had a conversation and uh, start talking about hidden history and have them give me knowledge that I've only heard in these circles. Right. So it's interesting. Granted, everybody that's out there eyeballs deep in TikTok and, you know, video games and the entertainment of this world, which dude, entertainment is phenomenal, man. If, if that's what I came here to do, just be entertained, then I'd be all for it. But I feel that I'm here for significantly different reason to me than just to sit and play video games. I've done that in the past. A lot of people make a living off of it, so on and so forth. So that's the system in place now. So imagine that 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 antikythera device, right? It's it's a clockwork mechanism, basically, that's all analog. So it's all geared. And if you think about the complexity of that, and then you you ponder, okay, let's just say for shits and giggles that people in the past had understanding and knowledge of electromagnetism and let's say they're intelligent enough to make that intricate clockwork, right? Why wouldn't they be able to utilize energy in a very similar fluid fashion as they're able to, to utilize whatever made that run, whether it was a quartz crystal, like in your modern day watches, well, maybe not so modern day anymore. Something made that thing run. There wasn't just a guy sitting there turning this this wheel on this ancient computer, right? So something made that thing function. Even though it's analog in nature, something did make it function. What was that something? It's an amazing thing to think about. And that's where I think this, and again, for lack of a better term, ethereal energy. I think it's more of a commonplace energy than we're allowed to understand. And, and that's probably like the biggest issue as we're not allowed to have the concept of free energy. Anybody that comes up with something that's even remotely close to it is either, you know, suicided or bought out with mm. like an exorbitant amount, pretty much told piss off, you know, here's a billion. Well, and let's get, let's get into, let's get into that because I hear people say that often. Chris, I want to ask if you have any questions because you look Look so entertained right now. I mean, you're so entertained <laughs> that you just lay and you're chilling. I, I don't know. I want to know what are your thoughts, and then we'll get to maybe some of the things that Randy's talking about. What are you thinking, I Chris? One, I only have one question for you, Randy. You said Nikola Tesla said we didn't need food. No, that's not what I said. He referred to food as being like a poison, and that that was part of the problem with people. Uh, was that, well, then again, he said everything can be a poison depending on the quantity also. Mm. Now, if you've ever seen pictures of Nikola Tesla, he looks extremely frail, right? Thin, even. Yeah. Gangly, just to say the least. So you have whoa, to imagine whoa, that whoa, if he... Whoa, whoa. I have a similar all, stature to Nikola Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, and, and I mean... You, you do see that people can survive fasting for s s extended periods of time. And well, he has um, the coolest car company out right now, bro. Leave him alone. <laughs> all right. All right. right. Hold on. Hold on. Let's put a, let, let me just, so I found a, I found an interesting article and I I'm only going to bring this up because I think I, me and Nikola Tesla 
not only do we have similar statures, which can be described as gangly, we may eat similarly. It says that it can be said that having the genius gift is just as much a curse as it is a blessing. And when you look at Nikola Tesla, one of the most influential inventors throughout history, it becomes clear why brilliance can taste so bittersweet. So let's see. Let's get straight to the part about the food. We don't need to know all this other stuff. This is like Tesla 101. Okay, so <laughs> Tesla food was consumed, his food was consumed wisely and without any type of overindulgence. He only ate twice a day. I only eat twice a day. Yeah, Tesla. Most of us- okay, well, then I guess I'm not that weird. Tesla yeah. followed a dominantly vegetarian diet, which was probably weird for that time period. Although he did Depending eat. On where you are in the world. I mean, Jesus Christ, all the Indian continent is fucking, you know what I mean? Like, Good point. Huge well, they, they, and they say that you're supposed to somehow you're supposed to get 2000 calories a day just to survive. Like that's kind of the standard, right? You know, 2000 calorie a day diet. And if you eat a couple of cups of, of pretty much any vegetable, the calories are going to be so low. So you're not getting the energy directly from the caloric intake. Well, you're you're let's, gaining let's it take from a, a different... Let's keep looking here, because it says that Tesla, and this could be hearsay, you know, I I'm, I don't know how correct cancerrd.com <laughs> slash Nikola slash Tesla diet is, but it says in the morning he had one or two glasses of milk alongside some eggs that he prepared personally. Tesla never ate lunch and he never broke this rule. In the evening, he would have celery or something similar, soup, a small celery, (laughs) three celery sticks for brunch. That is all soup, soup. He had soup as well. A small single piece of chicken, meat or fish, potatoes and one additional vegetables. You know about Andy Warhol was mad weird with the food too. That's why he did the soup cans because his mom would make him the soup, the soup cans and all that. And for dessert, for dessert, this is another thing that me and Tesla have in common. He would eat apple slices and cheese. (laughs) That's That's a plowman's lunch, bro. So, well, I mean, just look at the the level of genius that that man, you know, obtained right through that stringent of a diet or that. But let's not give people lacking, the wrong. That's, that's not a lot of calories. Right. But no, um, I'm not saying that humanity as we are today is anything near being a breatharian or but, able to. But your you overall know, point is energy. it was his lifestyle. It was the actual physical devices and the energy that they were off putting that were contributing to his vitality and it wasn't so much yeah I, I don't think that that would be would be a stretch to be honest with you that and as along with his passion mm. for for what it is he's doing uh, which is why he was you know pretty much able to be sidelined and and kind of uh directed if you will by these powers that be was was based on the fact they were manipulating his passion you know and so again not saying that humanity as we are today or even nikola tesla was in any way completely able to you know survive on this energy but i do think that he received some kind of vitality from it and uh, now were there beings say you know giants in the past that possibly had the ability to draw in this energy here here's a weird one look at bigfoot right (laughs) he supposedly can like bloop in and out of of space right people have seen like teleport right yeah we heard about that we heard about 
so you know what if like this big feet species in the past was like was rocking some mad teleportation that's what all these victory arches and stuff are they've literally walked from one place to the other in the world and because this thing was on like or powered up or whatever by the the worldwide web of of energy that probably happened in the past you know i don't know man i wasn't there but you know speculating perhaps these things that that are looked at today and seen oh that's just a giant archway that they march through after they come home from war or whatever now if this thing was powered up and they have shown that victory arches have a magnetic property to them right like the arc de triomphe in france and and if you couple that with the electric properties of say a gold dome building right next door with let's just say speculating with a mercury conductive generator inside drawing this energy down and you have this electrical flow traveling everywhere as basically an entire world would have worked as a giant circuit board or may very well have been a giant computer of some kind now what that means to like all right what was the computer for um out on a limb perhaps actually facilitating like the reality that was happening then to exist. So we look at our computer screens and we can, we can see and, and, and everything, something in 2d. So imagine if you had like the next level up, right? Like you had a 5d computer. Let, let's focus on, it. let's focus yeah. on the victory arch. Cause I screen shared it and I finally did it so that the audience can also see. Cause I, I've been fucking this screen share screen share up on the video end for a while and a bunch of different videos but anyways so here we are check these out i mean chris what are your thoughts on these victory arches you know like the whole thing is dude there's so much of this stuff like whether it's arc de triomphe or whatever these i mean it's just Petra, all this stuff is just so mind fucking nuking to me, and it doesn't make any sense. Like the thing about the Arc de Triomphe is, it's like in the middle of Paris, so I mean, clearly it could be worked on over time. And there's super old photos of it, and it does look like a giant magnet for Christ's sake. Right. You know, I mean, fuck, right. who knows? The inside of it like has those squares that right. like. And, and you've seen that in like, what is it? The Oculus has those in Rome or whatever too. It's really weird, man. Like this, there's a style there that is reminiscent of something that we don't do anymore for some reason. Mm, right. Yeah. This one Incredible. is particularly Incredible. magnet looking. <laughs> yeah. You see those little squares up in there. Right. And, and it's like, it's like a, a square within a square within a square, yeah, usually yeah. with like a flower in the center, yep. but it's exactly. always the exact same pattern. Look at the Oculus, Mark. Check that out, bud. The Oculus in, in Rome, that building. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's got the, it's got the big hole at the top and the sun comes through, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and so there's suggestions that are are coming out that are saying that these are these are resonators, possibly of a cymatic or, or a sound based energetic technology. We also see evidence for giant bells in a lot of these places, yeah. you know, around the world. I mean, out in the middle of like Pakistan, dude. There's this picture I was looking at recently. That's a structure very much like the Arc de Triomphe, right? 
but had a bell and it was it was all collapsed in on itself so you can kind of make out what it may have been but this bell is massive i mean we're talking the size of <laughs> i don't know probably at least a five or six story building i mean the people look minuscule sitting next to this thing you know and so if you couple that in sound energy which we're finding out more and more has so many different uses blah 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 then there was definitely an understanding we just can't or are not allowed to like understand at this point in, in our society anyway i think there are people out there that probably work for the man you know what i mean that understand a lot of this technology and have adapted it down to our size which what, yeah again when, when you you're think talking about, about scale it's it's weird it gets real weird real fast yeah and you know we we kind of touched on a lot of the things that compose this Tartarian framework of ideas, you know, for your, for the amount of research you've done, Randy, you know, for you at this point in time, do you think it was purely rewritten history? Like what, what's the grand conspiracy with Tartaria? Was it rewritten because it was an enemy? Was it rewritten because of this free energy? You know, what, why did, or was it just the result of this cataclysm? Like, do you think that there was, there, there is a sort of ultimate theory that you've kind of come to at this point? Well, there, there's definitely a tie with Tartaria or the old world and giants, mm. like a hundred percent. The scale of the buildings themselves right. is, you know, that and the intricate detail I mean, everything. Can you imagine a, a man the size of, of one of us carving out those those square things in the Arc of Triumph? It would take freaking years and years just to do that one building. And this is everywhere, right? Like, like in the Oculus. Like, this, after looking into it, this is done with a technology we're not supposed to know about, which is why they give us ancient aliens. You know what I mean? They're like, they're like, yeah. Oh yeah, that little green men from outer space did that instead of saying, no, that was the peoples that were here before that either a died off or were killed off in some way, shape or form giant war, like, like is stated in the Vedic texts, probably, you know, could be, there's a lot of reference to, you know, celestial kind of disasters and cataclysms and, and battles in the sky and all kinds of crazy stuff. And this is like all over the place. So and then for the Smithsonian to take the giant bones and push them aside or, or rebury them or whatever it is they do with them and then outright deny it, even though it's plastered in the newspapers from that time that these were found. And, you know, they've even found some nowadays. There, there are a few that they will let us know about. Like if you go to Peru, apparently you can you can find these in, in museums down there, but you won't find them in the civilized world, right? You won't find them in in america or at the, the british natural history museum isn't going to have a giant uh, skeleton on display and just the fact that they're hiding that so hard you know kind of suggests that that there's something to that that and the scale so i mean that's just a couple of a couple of things there and i think that all of the knowledge that we have the mystery school teachings included you know mithraism saturn worship i mean everything right all of this well, in my opinion, and based on what I've looked into, this was all the knowledge of a previous generation that is not what we are as humans today. It's just not. And um, what that means, does it mean little green men? 
Probably not. Does it mean larger men? Could be, right? I, we do see evidence of gi- gigantism even in today's population, although it's a very small percent. It still happens. So just imagine if that pituitary goes in the in high gear and you just keep growing. And by the time you're 50 or 60 years old, and then imagine like the days of Noah where people are living to seven and 800 years old. Imagine that just being growth constantly. Randy, before we go any further, I, I feel like I, I discovered a... A through line here there's there's a lot of jesus talk happening there's a lot of god talk going on here there's a lot of bible talk well the bible's a, a book of reference man just like the vedic texts so it's all we, we have to understand the past that's it you know that's all we're given same thing with history books so you can take what you you can infer knowledge from a history book because most of the stuff that you need to know is written between the lines same thing with the bible they're not going to tell us you know little peons are we looking at it like fact? Are we looking at it like parable? How are we doing it? You can look at it both ways if you'd like. Mm. Well, there, either. There's, cor- there's corroborating storylines. Sure. Yeah. In the Bible that are. I think we, you know, we definitely. We definitely have in the Bible a record of a time that wasn't recorded. <laughs> in a large you, way. You, how you about know? this? Sure. So, yeah, I, I would rings, say it's, it's, it's worth looking <laughs> at. For, for that matter, let's Do just take the Lord of the Rings. Hmm? And that's what's suggested back at this yeah. this previous point. You know, I don't think it's anywhere near what we know of as but like the world today. I guess maybe maybe where Chris is kind of asking is like, for you, does Tartaria fit into a Christian perspective of the world? Is that see that's that's the interesting problem about Christianity itself or any other religion. These are <laughs> these are formula religions. These are all devised to separate us all from each other so that that way we will not know the truth, period. Because if you have somebody leaning super hard into one one scriptural or spiritual teaching, they're pretty much going to close their mind off to anything else. It's just how it works. That's right. why but being religious about something is stigmized the way it is, is just because that that's how they've set it up, you know? That's how these, I don't know, I I guess you call these foot soldiers or the Jesuits, right? (laughs) They have implemented this throughout the world strategically. And then they've also implemented, in my opinion, again, this is just my opinion, every single book-based scriptural or spiritual teaching is allowed to exist. With These are the same people that censor everything, right? So why would they allow you know, the Bible or the Vedic texts or any of this stuff to exist. It's for a purpose. It's in order to keep people reined into their, their little, their little click or their little crowd. Right. And how, how much more effective would it be if when you spread people back over what was a dead planet and you repopulate it, which we see evidence for in the orphan train, so on and so forth. And just the dynamic of, discovery even as we're allowed to understand it say christopher columbus did come in 1492 right we're told that there was like one native peoples right that that they associated with or whatever but if you go to those same native people and talk to them they will tell you about giants being there and them having a war with those giants and just basically wrapping up that 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 war right about the time white people got here it's convenient. I don't know. Personally, I, I think there's just too much coincidence to deny the fact that this warlike culture that we're a part of, that, that the powers that be are a part of, 
has existed for a significant amount of time, long enough to reshape the world, you know, in, into a different machine. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll say it a different machine than what it was previous. The machine that we have now is, is the, the bank system. It's currency, right? So just for shits and giggles, imagine that in the past it was current. It wasn't currency. So energy was your, was your, was your actual power, not, not money, not, you know, fluid assets, but what if it was something different? And, and basically in the world we live in now, if you took away banking and, and had it just like an honor system, all the wars we have probably wouldn't have happened. Like this whole thing kind of revolves around this control mechanism that is in place now, period. I don't care where you look, TV, real life, your, your job, you know, you're part of a slave system. (laughs) It doesn't matter what, what you're doing in this world, because at some point you basically report to somebody. So in other words, Tartaria for you is, is, not a part of any institutionalized perspective because I think I think what is, we need to is do a part is of the old world. No, yeah, that's yeah. that's a common misconception well, about everything. And to, Tartarian. just to address Chris's question more directly, he he was only wondering because you're referencing no, I, I the Bible. The of, I use yeah. the lens of the Bible as a as a point of reference and a tool, as, as with other spiritual and scriptural readings. You know, I, I think it's a dangerous thing to be religious about anything. And that's just, you know, how I feel about it. And I'm not knocking any, any one belief. I, I think that they're all right. And to some degree, you know what I mean? Right. Um, obviously, you know, Satan worshipers don't have all the answers. They have their own group of answers. You know <laughs> what I mean? Buddhists don't have all the answers. They have their own little group of answers, right? So they all subscribe to a certain group of what they consider the answers, Right. And I think that's dangerous, no matter what creed or, or anything that you paint it. It's, it's a tool for us to divide ourselves from, from each other. Right. You know, and it's been. So going back to, going back to giants though, from your research, what's the most compelling evidence for giants you found? Cause I just scrolled through that website that had like eight proofs for giants. Unfortunately, there are only two pictures, but, but there's quite a few. Uh, examples there even like a museum exhibit in ecuador of actual giant skeleton of what looks like a giant skeleton what 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 examples have you found pretty much the same and also i've looked at a lot of of stories from you know elders of certain tribes in the north americas and you know so pretty much any tool of reference i can kind of gain from I definitely try to whether it be like the Vedic texts those refer a lot to different types of peoples a lot of the time they're they're classified as gods by a lot of these scriptural spiritual teachings right so we really don't get the whole idea about it same thing with like Hercules as a demigod right because he's half half Zeus right but what was Zeus well some sects of thinking suggest that Zeus was also a demigod or the demiurge. So it gets into Gnosticism. I mean, everything literally has a piece of the answer, like everything out there. I can't say I've like held a giant bone in my hand and done a DNA, you know, test on it, 
but I have seen the pictures just like anyone else has. I have seen the denial from the Smithsonian about the existence of these things while also claiming that they have reburied a lot of these on, on tribal land in the U.S. to give them back to their native people. But the Indians will tell you, and by Indians I mean Native Americans, they will tell you stories about this battle that was happening between them and these red-haired giants. So, now, unfortunately, everything that's written is it possible is that that's Sasquatch? It's possible it could be a family line. You know, and if you were a family line of redheaded giant and you lived out outside for however long, you know, this last cataclysm lasted, I don't know if like in the box saga, it was 10,000 years, you know, I don't, I don't really know. There's a suggestion to, to say that it was a very long time that something was going on that the top, you know, or, or the surface where we are wasn't inhabitable. Right. And so, you know. Going back to Lord of the Rings, I find it strange that that when you look at the goblins in Lord of the Rings, they look just like the British royal family and the Rockefellers and everybody else. So, I mean, what if white people did come from under a mountain, right, or came from underground mm. to retake a world that was destroyed due to whether it be like in in the Indian texts, giant sky battle of the gods, you know, that that led to nuclear fallout and just the death of the world. I don't know, but something definitely happened and that's something we're just not supposed to know about. And I think that's why, uh, why Tartaria is kind of ringing bells with a lot of people is because we all kind of sense that there's a lot that we're not told. There's a lot that we're not allowed to know, but we, but we get the stories of, of dinosaurs and we get the stories of gigantism, right? And then we have these, the wolf boys from, from Mexico, you know, back in the 1980s that had hair covering their entire bodies, right? So if you saw a big enough person that had hair from head to toe, tell me you wouldn't think that that was a Sasquatch no matter what they are. Dude, Wolf Boys is going to be the name of my new rap band. Dude. That's the <laughs> coolest shit I ever heard in my life, man. Yeah, look at Ripley's Believe It or Not, and, and you'll find pictures of them. Or Ripley's Believe It or Not, or what is that? No, yeah, that was it. Ripley's Believe It or Not. So, <laughs> so, 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 yeah, I mean, there's so much strange and wonderful stuff out there, no matter where you look, that it's really kind of a daunting task to, like, be like, okay, hey, I've got the answer for everything. I But this is what people like to do, right? People are like, no, here it is, set in stone. This is the answer right here. And people want to be able to have it that easy, <laughs> you know what I mean? To understand their existence and their life um, in such a simple fashion that they can just kind of zone out and not give a shit, you know? That's just the, the world we live in. Unfortunately, it's it's kind of a, a bullshit place that we have to want to escape from, so that's unfortunate, but... What do you mean? What does that mean? It's not a very user-friendly world that we live in, you know? <laughs> it's, life takes Life takes some doing. And there are just a lot of people in the, on this planet that that don't really want to do like anything, <laughs> you know. But then again, if I were, let's say, I were incarnated just to enjoy the entertainment of this era, yeah, that's that's cool too. You know what I mean? So maybe everybody's got a different purpose, and so, but to say like, no, like this is the one purpose, and like belittle people because they don't subscribe to your manner of beliefs i think that's dangerous and it's caused a lot of division (laughs) absolutely man i agree what yo you're supposed to share the blocks homie 
You know what I mean? Like sandbox 101, dog. Right. Right. What? Right. Think how far removed we are from that. You know what I mean? From that 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 mentality that we had when we were kids. Very little kids, right? You know? And you know, you you share you share everything with, with your friends on a whim. And and now we're in a world where it's like you won't even share your opinion with somebody else. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean I never shied away from it, but it definitely doesn't always yield the results you expect. <laughs> you know, yeah. you mentioned like Tartaria. I mentioned Tartaria to my buddy from high school that I known my whole life. And he's just like, what's that? And I'm like, Oh, it's like this ancient. And I started getting into the sentence. I'm like this ancient culture. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah. there's no way <laughs> I could describe this to you where you'd be interested. You know, I just gave up immediately. Cause it wow. just, you know, unfortunately it's something that certain people are drawn to and other people just don't see, you know, what's up with it. And I'm not really, <laughs> Well, realistically, I'm not really interested in. Point, well, hold on, it's I'm a not very really personal kind of interest. Yeah, I'm not. I'm it not. It doesn't serve Randy, any like. Randy. It doesn't serve any purpose other than like a personal one. You know yeah. what I mean? To look into that stuff, right? So, like, you can't go and and become well off and to do and 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 whatnot just by trying to understand the the concepts that surround Tartaria, um, and and like like the Smithsonian and all these institutions, right? And you have them kind of pitching each their own little thing, and it's very specific. And you either subscribe to that and you're a scientist in that field, or you don't, and you're not a scientist in that field. You know, and there's no there's no degree on well and Tartarian history. To, so, to know, finish really- to finish what I was saying, I think it's not interesting to everybody, but that's because they've been given this interpretation of history that is so bland that the average person isn't interested in learning anything historical whereas folks like ourselves here randy and i we get into looking at history and we see like oh wow they never taught me this they never taught me this chris you too but you know to be fair (laughs) (laughs) to be fair there's there's you know, definitely a concerted interest on our end. So you're the new guy here, okay? Sorry, Chris, but just stating the facts. (laughs) But, you know, with Tartaria, I think when people, if they were able to, you know, get past the first 15 minutes of what the hell is this about, they might really start to take a second look at the buildings and the places that, they were told were built, you know, less than a couple hundred years ago. And I think what's so interesting about the Tartaria conversation is it's like, oh, no, these things go way, way back. And you see that. I mean, even though the ancient alien people might not really be diving into this topic at all, you see them pushing the calendar back, too, with their research. You know, when these things get uncovered, they're like, oh, wow, it turns out this is actually 10,000 plus years older than we thought it was. So in my mind, why couldn't Tartaria have existed for even a small 100, 200 year period uh, within this enormous time frame that we have as unrecorded and recorded history? I mean, you can't date stone, unfortunately, which leaves us with a lot more questions and answers. But you know, Randy, I appreciate you coming sure, here, man, to, sure, man, to break yeah, down definitely. what you've been finding. Is there anything uh, you want to leave us with before you go? And, of course, tell us where they can uh, find your 
Oh yeah. yeah. Well, no, I'll just I'll just leave you with you know if you care for a rabbit hole, look into Tartaria. It's it's <laughs> massive, you know. But I mean, it's led me on a lot of a lot of interesting you know late night searches online, and and I've read through things I probably wouldn't have otherwise, such as different scriptural teachings and things like this that maybe I wouldn't have looked at right. if it wasn't for the fact that something's obviously being hidden from us like that just bugs me. <laughs> so I just keep looking into it, but I just want to leave you with, with lots of love there, Mark. And it was good meeting you, Chris. I appreciate you having me, man. Of course. And, you know, I just wanted to, again, extend my thanks for having me on uh, in the first place uh, those months ago. That was uh, a huge, a huge breaker down of barriers for me, man. So I really appreciate that. And yeah, so you're welcome back me. Dude, you're welcome back anytime because oh, I really I'm gonna get back with you on something other than Tartaria next time for sure. Well, and and, um, and not that not that Tartaria <laughs> wasn't interesting this time. It's just like, uh, you know, I appreciate the motivation and the passion that you bring to the subject, and and that was one of my most listened to episodes. As a matter of fact, like it's in the nice. top five for downloaded episodes. So. I definitely right would love to have you back on in the right future. On, and, yeah, and yeah, dude, you deserved it, you, man. man. It was, it was, a, it was a great conversation the first time and an even better one this time. I feel like I was able to, to it's so hard pin to fit you. into well, any number of some hours. of these <laughs> things are hard to pin down. And with Chris here, it was a little easier to, to pin them down, I think. Cause, well, and you know, Chris, I, I understand where you're coming from and asking about, you know, the, the lens that I'm looking at. All right. So you're talking a lot about the Bible, right? And see that in itself, if you reference a certain scripture or teaching, you've instantly lost the other half of the population or whatever that doesn't subscribe to whatever that book is. So that's what I mean by like religion being dangerous and, and these teachings being very secular and so on and so forth. But I do think they are t all tools I'm that we can, we can kind of, that I'm we can that. kind of identify. Peace, brother. Peace, brother. <laughs> Right on, bro. Man, my shit is elevated, dog. <laughs> Chris knows. Chris is only putting the, putting a little heat on you, Randy. That's all. That's it's all up. love. No, I appreciate it's all that, love. man. I just wanted to, you know, put a button in that so that people aren't like, "This guy's anti-Christian," or "This yeah. guy's anti no." I'm well, not and no, we take man. we take you know we take all perspectives on this show, and I definitely that's I, super important. Yeah, man. I mean, you even took my perspective those months ago when I came on, so that I appreciate and. Much love, Mark. Much love. And hey, you know, all, the, all the listeners out there, much love to you all. You know, all those listeners are making this this happen. They're making this research, whether they realize it or not. They're allowing this research and this kind of insight to unfold just by being interested enough to listen. You know what I mean? Like, that's huge, dude. If it wasn't for the listeners and stuff out there, shit, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. I wouldn't. I mean, several other hundred or thousand other people that are out there well, chewing and, away at the truth. And that's the thing is we can't do it alone. Just the three of us, you know, looking at all of these random sets of information, the pattern is there, but until we have all of those pieces on the table, we can't put that puzzle together. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. So, <dude. laughs> so yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And down uh, with separation and segregation and division, you know what I mean? That's yeah. uh, the more we can kind of unify and, and I hate to sound all woo woo, but be one in love. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, that's, no, no. That's, that's literally the secret, bro. Like, like if we could all put ourselves and our egos aside for the better good of just love, that that's what's up. And so that's what I'll leave you with. If anyone wants to check me out, I'm on Instagram at random fracts and you can pick up my podcast. It's on most pod players. 
and it's Red Thread Podcast. So yeah, go check it out. And like I said, it's on just about every pod player aside from Apple. That one's a whole nother hour long story of ridiculous wizards and all kinds of other crap. But anyway, uh, much love to you guys, man. Thanks, Chris, for coming in. And thanks, Mark, for having me. I appreciate you, brother. Likewise, brother. Thank you so much. And thank you folks for listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, joined by Chris Prozer from the Mensa podcast. And of course, our guest, Random Randy from the Red Thread podcast. Be sure to support him in all the places except Apple, of course. Peace. from the ashes and mftic mark my family thinks i'm crazy a little swappy situation a little sloppy swappy also we have a, a sweet fellow uh fellow artist uh truth seeker amazing dope human and witch is upon a blessed journey be it through the cosmos and his name is casey how the fuck are you I'm doing amazing, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm uh, excited to talk to you guys today. Of course, man. Yeah, like I, 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 we synchronistically ran into each other. You know, I like to use this word synchro because it makes, makes like butterflies in my bellies go over at a, like a really cool event called Man I Fest man, in Oregon. And it was like podcasters, artists and speakers and it was like i was like man these these types of events need to go on more like more of these types of events yeah man that that was a blast that was the uh little festival i actually saw that it was happening and i hit them up and i was like hey do you guys want me to play some music and they didn't really have too much organized for the music at that point they ended up giving me two sets i played like friday night and then did an encore set on saturday night and uh, yeah, it was great. They had some good speakers. It was pretty cool. I gave them a got a there. Yeah. <laughs> I had a praying mantis land on me on uh, Saturday morning and hung out with me literally all day. It was on my hat for like probably like 15 hours until I went to sleep that night. And then it was in my tent in the morning when I woke up. So that was probably the most magical part of the weekend other than all the magical connections but yeah i think they're doing it again this year so hopefully uh i could be back out there and play some more music and meet some more people fuck yeah dude malala is a special place i remember the the guy who owned the property you swore that there was fairies on the property and i was like wow well never seen fairies i would like to see some fairies and then i did in fact see what what people are considering fairies it was like a light orb uh fluttering thing you know and it was energy and it was like i i not only seen it but i kind of felt it like right above us and it was just for a half a second wow this place is pretty magical nice hell yeah well, yeah, dude. So I hit Mark up because I think 
you have are working on something really cool. We call it Blacklist, and I like that name. And I wanted you to just maybe tell us what the fuck it is, you know, what the vision is for it, the history of how you guys got there and what you guys plan on doing with it. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, my buddy are starting this thing called Blacklist. Uh, the website is blacklist.network. And essentially what it is, is it's going to be a underground railroad network of performing artists and venues and members of the community who are not down with the mandates. So we are going to identify ideally venues in every city that are not forcing mandates. They're not, you know, making people present their vaccine cards or making people get tests for the events. Also performing artists who are trying to play at these venues. And that would include musicians, comedians, you know, painters who want to paint at shows. I mean, we're, we're really trying to make it as broad as we can, even keeping it open for things like, you know, yoga classes or art classes. In terms of the venues, we're trying to identify spots that, you know, have kind of already been doing this or people that would like to get involved. You don't necessarily have to have a stage. Obviously, if you're hosting a concert, you would need certain requirements for that. But basically just trying to link link individuals together so that we can create more opportunities for these venues for these artists and then the third part being the community so that way if you sign up for the network you'll be notified every time there's an event happening in your city that's not pushing the mandates so right now i'm right outside portland oregon and we've already identified three places that are on board i know a bunch of artists who are on board so yeah essentially the vision for this would be you know you would you would become a member of this network and then if you're a performing artist you would submit where you're located and you would be linked up with all the different venues so that you would have an opportunity to reach out to them and potentially organize if you wanted to do that if you're a venue you would be your information would be provided to the performing artist so that you could link up with them and then like i said if you're in the community if you're interested in attending these events you'd be notified anytime there's something happening in your city so this is a brand new venture my buddy came up with the idea he told me about it and i was like you you have to let me get involved with this so now i'm kind of the one going around talking to people about it trying to spread the word but yeah we're in the pretty early stages right now we have a website like i said blacklist.network if you go there uh, you'll find a spot that you can drop your email and we've already had a bunch of people sign up we're hoping in the next like month or so we can start sending out essentially like a, a vetting questionnaire where people will kind of be required to say you know what what they're trying to bring to the network what they have to provide we want to make sure people are really down with the mission and actually you know are 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 in it for the same reasons that we are we're prepared you know for maybe people trying to infiltrate the network and and report us to osha so we're we're basically just trying to make sure that you know everybody that uh, wants to be a part of the network has to basically just fill out a little thing to explain what they're bringing to the table and then yeah the next step will uh, be beefing up this website and starting to link everybody together so we're hoping by like this summer we can have this thing fully operational and the goal is to, you know, be able to do like a little tour throughout the United States, hitting up all these venues. And, you know, hopefully it's it's not an issue for much longer. But seeing as 
there's many venues right now pushing these mandates and they're not even required by law. Like here in Oregon, where you have all the venues basically requiring proof of vaccine or proof of a negative test. And that's not even a state mandate yet. And the music venues have went above and beyond and they're actually requiring more than the state is asking for. So we're prepared uh, to deal with this for a while. And we just want to make sure there's opportunities for artists and venues and opportunities for the community to come attend these events with no mandates. So that's kind of the vision for Blacklist. Yeah, that's fucking tight and much needed. And it's crazy to tell, like, it's, it's really hard to tell how long any of this will go on. Like, because I've witnessed it. I, I live close to <clears throat> San Francisco and San Francisco is full on lockdown. Any shows that have popped up on my Spotify radar that, you know, there's a local show coming up. I'm like, I get really excited. I'm like, oh yes, I've been wanting to see this band for a while. And then I, I go look further and it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly that. It's fucking max vaccine bullshit or whatever. What, what about you, Mark? What's it like on the other side of the country? Cause we're both on the West coast. So mm. what's up? Yeah. I mean, I'm not really someone who goes to a lot of live events to begin with. So this is kind of new to me. I mean, comedy, I've been to a, a couple comedy shows and I think what's interesting about comedy is with a guy like Sam, who his politics and his philosophy and his beliefs are pretty outspoken. The way he's navigated in that business is, you know, he knows which club promoters don't give a shit and he's going and doing shows at the places where this sort of atmosphere is already conducive. So if this is a way to take back all of these venues that are, you know, illegally <laughs> requiring these medical experiment cards, you know, that's awesome. And I'm in full 100% support of it, man. I think it's definitely something that music goers for sure, who are in our community, would appreciate but yeah i'm uh i'm kind of new to that whole world so i i you know i don't have really any technical questions but i'd love to hear more about it yeah and i i think a lot of people are kind of in the same place that you are where they you know don't even realize that these events are happening or, and wouldn't know how to find them and that's one of our big reasons for wanting to put this together is to make sure that people know that this is happening. I am pretty active in kind of like the the artists underground scene. And, you know, I've I've found a few places just from knowing people. And a lot of them are kind of like, you know, warehouse type events or event spaces or like, you know, art art collectives, st stuff like that. I, I haven't actually identified any like real venues with like, you know, a staff and, and a bar and, and that sort of thing. But we're hoping to, and I know that they're out there and I know that there's probably a few of these spaces in every city. So really the, the key at this point is to get the word out to find these places find these places, find the people that are involved and link them all together. Cause yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It kind of seems like the music industry is dying in a lot of ways. And I've, I've definitely heard people 
talk about it on podcasts. I've, I've, I've even heard some bold claims recently on a few podcasts where people are saying like live music is over. It's all done. Just, just move on and, you know, get on with your life. And I, I'm not really willing to accept that. I, I have a lot of hope that we can still make this happen. And even if it's not necessarily at officially sanctioned venues, there's plenty of places for people to get together, to gather, to sing, to dance, to play music. And it's already happening. So it's just a matter of finding the places where it's happening, letting people know about that and delivering opportunities to the artists who are willing to take a stand against the mandates as well. Because unfortunately, most of the artists in the industry have just kind of fallen into line. And it's it's been quite surprising. You'd expect the creative community to take a little bit more of a stand. And we've really seen who the who the true punk rockers are over the last couple of years. And it's not really who who you would have thought. So, you know, big ups to all the musicians who are taking a stand against this. There's not that many of us. And thank you to all the venues who have been taking a stand against this and taking a risk to provide these opportunities because we're we're having a mental health crisis as a result of this. A lot of people, concerts were kind of how they would kick back, how they would relax. You know, that's how cultures built. That's how community thrives. And when you shut that down completely, a lot of people, you know, what was so exciting in their life is now gone. A big motivation for this is delivering these uplifting, you know, exciting experiences to people when they used to be so abundant and now they're pretty much impossible to find. And we want to help create that opportunity. So that's really, you know, one of the big reasons we're doing this. Yeah, I can, I can fuck with that. I mean, I'm a huge, uh, concert goer, you know, shows I've been going to shows since I was like 11, you know, like the first show I ever went and saw where I begged my mom to go was, uh, blink 182 and no doubt. And uh, the entire time was just thorns up, you know, I was 11 years old, just having the best absolute time of my life. And as a also fellow musician, you know, like, it's just like, I hope to play still like, you know, I'm writing music, it's gonna happen, I will play live and damn it, if there's gonna be some fucking bullshit, that's gonna stop me from doing so. And so I'm on the path, I'm on the I'm on the mission too, man. And so when you told me about this, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But one issue I'm having right now is that I actually didn't switch my mic over to my real mic. Let's just jump right in. Yo, yo. And I'll edit out that. But we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on this Swapcast. The audio sounds much better. And Roman is here. Casey is here. And What's up? Casey, you were telling us about this blacklist and... Sounds like a pretty slick way to create a sort of alternative music community. It's something that I wanted to do with Alt Media United for a while to sort of partner podcasters with partner podcasters with musicians because podcasts always are in need of some good music, whether they just want, you know, one intro song to run with for the whole course of the podcast, or maybe they switch it up like I do and they have, you know, all sorts of endless, you know, little music clips in between. You know, I never use the same song twice for certain parts of the podcast. And I just think that it could be a really indie way to promote other indie creators. What do you think of that? I mean, has that, has that come across your mind probably already? Obviously, right? You, you, <laughs> that's why you're <Yeah>. here. <laughs> Absolutely, man. And I mean, I, I'm a big 
big podcast guy. I, I tell people like podcasts kind of like saved my life in some weird way because I got I got sucked real deep down some like dark YouTube rabbit holes right when I like started getting into conspiracies. Let's get and into that. Tell like, us about these deep dark rabbit holes. What did they <laughs> consist of? Well, I mean, so it kind of it started off with crop circles and that, you know, just became like the most interesting thing in my life for a while. And then once once you start digging into crop circles and UFOs, that naturally leads to and this is back in like 2011, like this is back before all of the shadow banning on YouTube. But I mean, eventually I'm looking into like, you know, FEMA camps and like, you know, some of the more, you know, scary things that could potentially happen. And, you know, a lot of times the the, the darker the conspiracy, the, the more exciting and more interesting. So I was like, <laughs> you know, pretty like paranoid, depressed state looking into all this stuff, you know, not having known about it and being experienced, you know, being exposed to so much in a short period of time, also doing a lot of psychedelics at the time. But then I, I started listening to like Duncan Trussell and my brother told me to listen to Duncan Trussell. And then that kind of led to a bunch of other podcasts. And then I think it was maybe like the higher side chats, I think was maybe like my first kind of conspiracy type podcast because I've always been really into like the paranormal. So now I'm at the point where I have like, you know, 20, 30 shows that I kind of go in between Mark, yours, yours being one of them, Roman, yours being one of them, you know, all, all the classics. I'm, I'm big, you know, on like, you know, higher side chats, Crow, triple seven, no agenda, you know, like, well, and, and you know, I'm glad you mentioned tinfoil hat, like all, you know, all the, the, the great, like alt media shows. Thank um, you. I'm glad you mentioned the no agenda though, because, and the higher side also geez. has done this recently where, you know, no agenda is famous for doing these no agenda meetups, right? They, they yep. started that and Greg Carlwood, I think he even mentioned being inspired by no agenda and started the higher side chat meetups or however he, you know, named it. And, you know, basically people can just go on these forums say, hey, I'm in this city and find other podcast listeners to hang out with and do some meetups with, which I think is fantastic, is right in line with what you're talking about, where we're creating quite possibly alternative underground music scene again, you know, because for the longest time, yep. the underground music scene was in response to the fact that, you know, there's all these loops to jump through to become a mainstream artist. So why not just figure it out and do it yourself? I think now with this whole lockdown pandemic, we're going to see a new breed of almost even more conspiracy tested because underground music wasn't always necessarily conspiracy oriented. It was just independent. There were some conspiracy gems that I found, and I'm sure many others had too, maybe even some that I didn't find. But I think what's happening now is the only people that are going to, you know, go against this, you know, medical tyranny are people who are awake. So that's naturally going to create a, I think a more organic group of people getting together, you know, it, it's, it's less manufactured than like the alternative communities of like, let's say the 1960s, where there was a little bit of weirdness going on with that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is the same, but I don't know. Now I'm just getting paranoid. Roman, save me. 
Oh God. Well, the <laughs> 1960s was a major indoctrination. I mean, I'm totally into the Laurel Canyon conspiracy rabbit hole. Like I believe that all of those bands were <laughs> like actually implemented by the military. Well, through their parents, you know, some sort of MK Ultra project, which is kind of like the woke movement of now, which is like completely fucked. And which goes, I, I, what I like about this blacklist party concept is that it's fucking blacklist party. It's a, <laughs> it's an actual blacklist party. I mean, like, we, where are we going to go this week? And we're going to go to a blacklist party and it's, you know, I'm going to dance my ass off. I'm also going to, you know, be with a bunch of other people who are like-minded within the community and, you know, and just like experience whatever we're going to experience. Maybe you do have some dope talker, speaker, an MC. Well, and is this how we wake people up? For some shit. Is this how well, we wake people up now? Because I, I love it. I love yes. where you're going with this. And I don't mean to interject other than to add to the momentum because I think, you know, the average person who may have never even gone down a YouTube rabbit hole the common denominator is fun. They want to go out and have fun. And if they hear rumor of this blacklist party going on, well, now they're going to get down and hang out with a bunch of people who are, well, for lack of a better word, red-pilled, we'll use that term. And Ooh, yeah, they're going to start- and red-pilled. Yeah, you know, they're going to start getting, you know, really uh, like-minded folks, you know, together. And then those new people who maybe aren't like-minded are going to start to warm up to maybe some alternative ideas. And I think that's, yeah, that's really exciting. That would get me out of my uh, introverted ways for sure. That's the benefit of doing the podcast. I could have friends like you guys and just never leave my house, but that's, <laughs> that's not really that fun in hindsight. I mean, that's not a life you want to live from a basement, right? So... <laughs> Dude, have you yeah. ever been to a concert where they have a host like that's like fucking cool in the middle of the bands and like, you know, it's like hella funny and like amping up everybody in the middle of the change? It's the best. I can see you doing yeah. that, Roman. I oh, yeah. You're doing it. Let's go. <laughs> I've done it. It's it's super fun. I want to touch really quick on, on what you're saying, though. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. A couple of things like just the name that we decided on Blacklist. I mean, we're we're definitely leaning into this. There's no no secret about what we're trying to do here. And if you want to be a part of the network, you better be down with the rebellion because, you know, we're already on the list. So let's just own it and let's not be. Uh, afraid of what we're doing because it's going to take some some fearless individuals to really build what we're trying to build here. So that was kind of why we chose the name. And then also in terms of, you know, waking people up, red billing people, I think, you know, we all know people in our own lives who are aware of what's going on, that are asking questions, that can tell something's not right. But they're not really posting about it. They're not really talking about it. I mean, it could be up to like 50% of the population or more who's just kind of going along with it because that's the thing to do. And, you know, maybe just waiting for an opportunity uh, to go the other direction. Once other people start doing it, they might not be the leaders who are going to, you know, be the first one to, to say something or be, you know, posting stuff that could potentially make them look a certain way to their friends and family. But we know these people are out there and I'm confident that if we give them a place to come gather free of mandates, a lot of people are are going to attend just maybe because they're curious what that type of an, event, of an event might be like. And I've been at events personally where 
people come in wearing masks, they look around, they notice that nobody else is wearing a mask and they take them off. It's purely something that they're wearing because they think that they're supposed to. They're worried about how they would be perceived by others if they didn't have it on. But once they notice they're in good company and that the other people around them don't care, they take it off and they're fine. And it's like, they didn't even want to wear it to begin with. So that's kind of what we're trying to create is, you know, a place for people who are in the middle, obviously a place for, you know, the dissidents, people like us, but really a place for people who are kind of in the middle who might want to see what's it like to hang out at a place where people aren't wearing masks and aren't socially distancing. What's it like going to a show where you don't have to take a test beforehand? And, you know, I know a lot of people that are going to shows using fake vaccine cards because they want to go to shows. And I'm kind of like, I'm boycotting that shit. Like, I don't, I don't care to support those venues, but people are going to do whatever it takes to go have a good time and if we can give them a good time in in a form where we don't have any kind of segregation where people can come gather i'm really excited to kind of like bring together both sides at these types of events and give people like a safe space to not wear a mask where nobody's going to judge you or people aren't going to think you're a trump supporter just because you don't have a mask on like that's <laughs> kind of what we're trying to do and so yeah i'm glad you mentioned that because that is a big part of this is kind of like using this to wake people up to, you know, keep the, um, keep the underground scene alive, but also to bring more people into it. And, and also one more thought with all the podcasts and stuff, we thought that, you know, going on to some shows and talking about this to people who are into alternative media and maybe have a little bit more of an open mind would be a good way to spread the word. Cause I have a feeling that a lot of the people that might be operating these venues, artists who might be down to play these shows, community members who might be looking to attend are also listening to some of the same shows that I'm listening to. So that's definitely a big part of my plan of attack is to try to get on these shows that I listen to and get the word out and let people know, hey, if this is something you're interested to go our website, blacklist.network, drop your email. As soon as we get this thing more fully functional, we'll be reaching out to people and building the network and doing our best to protect people's information. We'd love to turn this into like a decentralized thing, maybe put it on the blockchain. We're really trying to build a team right now, find people who are like good at web development, other people that are interested in what we're doing that want to be a part of it. Cause right now it's just me and my buddy and you know, we're, we're doing the best that we can, but we've got really big dreams for this network. And you know, if somebody's listening and they'd like to be involved, please contact me directly and we can chat. And yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about this. I haven't been this excited about a project in a long time and I'm, I'm really confident that we can make this happen. Right on. So how many musicians have you gathered together? Like how many separate bands would you say you have all together so far? So right now, my, my friend's actually the one who's gathering all the email addresses or he he's the one that has access to that. So I would have to check with him, but just based on what I've been participating in, in the Portland area, cause I've been playing these types of events, you know, for the last couple of years. And I mean, I've probably played with, you know, over 20, 30 artists that are kind of in, you know, in this boat, people who are ideally looking to play events that aren't pushed in the mandates. And, um, so I, I mean, I know a lot just, just in my immediate circle, I haven't necessarily found a lot in other places, but we're really just starting to get the word out about this. So 
I, I feel like the the tide hasn't really started rolling in quite yet. But yeah, right now we're we're really just just kind of starting to build. So I don't I don't have like a, an exact number, but I, I know there's lots of lots of bands and musicians out there. And and like I said, we're also looking for like comedians and you know other performing artists. So it's it's definitely something that will grow organically, but the more that we can do to get the word out quickly, I mean, this is definitely something that needs to happen as soon as possible. I'm sure you can feel me on that. It's like for every for every day that goes by that we we don't have the opportunity to gather free of mandates, a little piece of me dies. And, but yeah, I just had so much fun playing these events and I just want more people to be able to experience it. I've seen Casey perform at that festival event that we were at and i will say casey's a fucking badass on stage and you can go check out his music on spotify under rhyme wave and he's like if you guys listen to you know he's on the label with the polish ambassador so if you're into electronic music at all and you know the polish ambassador that guy throws down i've seen him do multiple new year's eve shows he headlines most of the festivals he'll be at lucidity which i'm going to in may down here nice. in cali and yeah, dude, like definitely a hundred percent fucking, I know I got at least five bands for you right now. I would like be like, yo, you guys want to talk to my boys and get on here? Cause I think we're doing some underground shows. Cause I mean, if you're, if, if people, you make music and you want to make music, you know, a part of your life and it's a passion, then you're going to play shows. And most, you know, the great thing about music is it's one of these things that's, you know, one of the, one of the arts, it's one of the seven principles. It's, you know, it's the higher understanding, you know, there's a vibrational resonance that goes into, you know, the culture and community of music that we've been creating for eons, you know, and the sound, the Schumann resonance, everything, the vibration is all there. And so music is more than just music you know it is music it is mu so it absorbs everything it is everything and this is goddamn so goddamn important goddamn heck and shit fuck i love it so much sorry <laughs> word vomit for you guys sorry about that casey you're great mark how are you i love it i like i said i want to definitely see how alt media united can work with what you guys are doing you know if that means creating a portion you know of our site where podcasters can easily, you know, figure out what you're doing and get in touch with you if it fits with their cause. Obviously, you mentioned attending the Truthzilla thing, you know, so you're already aware that there are podcasters doing this kind of thing. I don't, I don't know Truthzilla personally, so I wouldn't be able to put you in touch with them. But yeah, as far as podcasters go, you know, I think there's definitely a bridge between us over here and musicians i mean definitely the careers are are similar in the sense that you got to get it going yourself and there's a lot of money you got to put into it and time and practice and skill before you really get anything out of it so yeah it's definitely it's definitely something that i can see going hand in hand so i'm eager to uh see where this goes man right on yeah and i podcasting is kind of like the last frontier of free speech in a lot of ways in terms of media. I'm kind of just like waiting for the day that they they try to like develop algorithms to to censor podcasts because it's it's kind of crazy how things that you can't say on social media or YouTube or things that you would never see on TV or Netflix, not that I, I watch either of those, you can hear about on podcasts. And that's one of the reasons I'm so 
obsessed with listening to these shows is because you you have access to information that you wouldn't really be able to get anywhere else and free speech actually lives on through the form of podcasting so i personally think it's one of the best ways that we can spread this and that are interested in hearing real conversations free of censorship are going to podcasts to find those. So yeah, honestly, like I'm just, I'm, I'm so proud of the podcast community and I don't have a show of my own. I, I'm thinking about trying to start one. It, it might actually be kind of like a, me and my buddy have been talking about starting a show about Tartaria loosely loosely based on Tartaria and then branch off into some other topics. But yeah, I, I, man, I'm just, I love podcasts. It's, it's, it's really a big source of joy for me getting to hear these conversations and now being a, a part of the conversations with you guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Let me spread the word about Blacklist and my music and uh, yeah, let's, let's keep, let's keep spreading the word as much as we can. Where can people go to check out what you have so far? Is there a website, uh, social media pages? What, where can people go? Yeah, if I mean, if you want to check out Blacklist, like I said, that's blacklist.network. That's where you're going to find that. And it's pretty basic right now. We're, we're going to be doing a lot more to the website. And if you would like to check out my music, I should be wherever you stream your music. So wherever you like to listen, if you like to listen on SoundCloud, Bandcamp, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, I should be on all those rhyme wave, R-H-Y-M-E-W-A-V-E. You can also find me on Instagram. I'm, I'm fairly active on there. That's where I post about like all my shows and all my releases. And then it just automatically posts to Facebook. And yeah, that's kind of where I'm the most active right now. But yeah, I'm, I'm always, you know, creating new accounts on new sites and trying to, trying to expand the reach. But yeah, I'd say like, just find my music online, listen to it, share it. It's all for free. I do have a Patreon too. Like if you really like my music and you want to hear some exclusive songs that nobody else has access to, you can sign up on Patreon and I'm putting out like an uh, unreleased exclusive song every month on there that will not be released on any of the other sites. So yeah, that's kind of the best place. And, and like, feel free to shoot me a message. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not that big. I'm, I'm like, I'm not definitely not getting inundated with, with messages. So yeah, if you really like what I'm doing, or if you want to collaborate on a track, or if you want to be involved with Blacklist more directly, shoot me a message and uh, I'll get back to you. Beautiful. I love it. Let's, uh, let's definitely plan a time to talk more about, you know, Alt Media United and Blacklist and where we can come together. Cause there's definitely a lot of things on the table for Alt Media United. The direction that we're going to go in is still undetermined. So, yeah, I'd love to talk to you off the air. But, yeah, thank you for, for inviting me here, Roman. I appreciate it. And great meeting you, Casey. Yeah, absolutely, man. I look forward to talking more with you about that. Likewise. Hell yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Mark, also for coming on and and doing the things. And because and I, I am sure once we put this out and, you know, put a little thing on the Telegram chat or whatever, homies are going to try to scoop you up to, to have you on to talk about it because we're all over. You know, the great thing about the internet and the terrible thing and the scary thing, but also the absolutely beautiful thing about the internet is that we're all over, but we're in the same fucking place. So, but yep. what's really important about that is getting the word out, man. So, fuck yay. Right on. Yeah, and you should make a, a Telegram 
for Rhyme Wave if you don't already have a, a chat or channel. If you do, send me the I invite. Do. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. I'm not oh. like super active on there. I, I mostly just use it for David Avocado Wolf's memes. Okay. Which he posts like hundreds of every day and they're fucking brilliant. But no, I'm definitely on Telegram. I forgot to mention that one. I'll send it, I'll send it to you. Cool. Right on. Nice. All right, dudes. Well, Roman. You've been blacklisted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is your show, but I'll leave it with uh, my, what is it called? Catchphrase, I guess. I don't know. My, what is it, what is it called? When you, when you enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now. That's what I always say.